2: Stay on your A-game with all the parts you need at the prices you want. It's easy to bring home huge wins. Keep your ride-or-die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply.
3: When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. The
2: Volume. Just a reminder that you can catch me recording this podcast live on AMP. AMP is the new live radio app that lets you call in and chat with me in person while I'm recording. Get the app On Apple's App Store, and make sure you follow me at Chris Mannix to get notified when I go live. This is boxing with Chris Mannix. Or somebody punch him in the face. Anthony Joshua is a composed and ferocious finisher. Watch this. Andy Ruiz is the heavyweight champion. Hosted by SI's Chris Mannix. That was my moment. Now with interviews, analysis, and everything going on in the world of boxing. When you have talent, you are given another chance. Here's Chris Mannix. This is Boxing with Chris Mannix, part of the Volume Sports Podcast Network, and we are coming off a fantastic week in boxing. Last week, we talked about the Inouye-Fulton fight that happened on Tuesday. On Saturday, we got another epic. Terrence Crawford knocks out Errol Spence in the ninth round, established himself as the number one guy in the 147-pound division and probably the number one guy in all of boxing. We'll talk about that later in the show as well. On this show. We discuss all things Spence Crawford, Jake Donovan, BoxingScene.com. He joins me, Jamel Herring, former 130-pound champion, former stablemate of Terrence Crawford, former Olympic teammate of Errol Spence. We talk about everything that happened in the fight, from Crawford's performance to what Errol Spence should do next. Says he wants a rematch, but should he want a rematch We dive into all that and much more. A little bit later on, Oscar Valdez, the former two-division world champion. He is back on August 12th, taking on Emmanuel Navarrete for the WBO Super Featherweight Championship. I talked to Valdez about bouncing back from his first loss to Shakur Stevenson, some of the changes he made going into this Navarrete fight and what it would mean for him to get that world title back. So stick around. Great conversation with Oscar Valdez. But first up, Jake Donovan and Jamel Herring join me on the show. All right, Jake Donovan is here, BoxingScene.com. Jamel Herring here as well, former 130-pound title holder, perhaps future 130-pound title holder. Jamel, uh, haven't talked to you since <laughs> you uh, announced plans for a comeback. What, what is the latest on that?
4: Um, the latest on that, um, after speaking with my team, Jerry Casares and Lou DeBella, as of yesterday. Um, they're looking at it on October 19th because the event is, uh, is basically um, dealing with West Point, West Point um, Army, Army veterans and, and so on up, up north in New York. And they want to get together for a special event. So it, basically the, the way is them getting everything together, especially to do something for veterans, and honor for veterans. And, and it's also going to be um, a charity event as well. So you know we're trying to get the pieces for that together. I know as of yesterday they threw out potentially October nineteenth, which should be a Thursday, um, a Thursday night, or so. Um, obviously I'll, I'll be the main event in that one, but I just I just want to just basically get back and just get the ring rust off as soon as possible because after especially after watching you know, this weekend's big 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 main event, the ring rust I, I was not, well I don't think it was, was the, the like an excuse or anything, but, like, it shows that the long legs do not do us any, any justice in terms of being a, being a professional boxer. So with that being said, you know, I just want to get the ring out as soon as possible and then potentially go into a matchup against Joe Cardina out in the U.K.
2: All right, Jake, so if you if you use any of that, make sure you're crediting Boxing with Chris Manning for <laughs> that information all right, over at BoxingScene.com. Um, all right, well, good luck with that, Jamel. We look forward to you coming Thank back you. Thank you. Uh, into the ring uh, in October. All right, this past weekend, we had an incredible event. Uh, Terrence Crawford, Errol Spence, 147-pound supremacy, and this was just a dominant, nearly start-to-finish performance by Terrence Crawford. Knocks Errol Spence down three times, gets a stoppage, in the ninth round, a reasonable stoppage, I thought, by referee Harvey Dock uh, in that moment. Uh, Jake, we'll start with you. Um, you know, picking Crawford to win, not a bold pick prediction by anybody because Crawford was a slight favorite. Picking him to dominate or believing he was going to dominate, I'm not sure anybody really believed that. What did you make of what you saw from Terrence Crawford last Saturday?
1: So, this was actually a rare fight, especially a big fight where I got the exact outcome right. I didn't get the how right i thought it was going to be competitive at some point bud would take over and then kind of do what he did in the end i did not expect him to do that pretty much from round two because round one he did you know he always kind of gives away the first couple of rounds this one he started a lot earlier than expected and errol just never really had a chance to get going so god bless errol i mean he was all heart right until the bitter end if you told him you know you're gonna go three more rounds he would have went three more rounds but bud just completely beat the fighter he was prepared for this moment for as long as he wanted this fight and um I in my prediction I even said that once upon a time when these two guys when they first met back at the was it the Chesapeake Arena or whatever in, uh, in Oklahoma City at that time I said you know what I love this fight for Errol 2019 prior to his accident I, I kind of favored Errol not heavily as time went on I said that the longer it took the, the greater uh, Bud chances you know he just lived that you know that cleaner lifestyle just unaffected obviously you know Errol had to come back from the car crash detached retina just everything else he's had to overcome in life. Bud, has been ready for this moment. And, and he was ready for that night. Um, it, it was a shame that for uh, from Errol's perspective, it was a shame the fight played out the way it did because I was like, this was my favorite promotion. Those two guys handled every aspect of it. So responsibly, you know, they talked their junk as they should, you know, they're both very proud men. But I, I thought they just knew what the event represented and they, they could not have handled themselves at more class. Every super fight really needs to take notes from how Errol and Bud conducted themselves throughout this promotion.
2: Uh, Jamel, you are a former stablemate of Terrence Crawford in Omaha. You're a former Olympic teammate of Errol Spence. Did, did you think this fight was going to play out in such a one-sided manner?
4: No, I, I'm actually on par with, um, with Jake. I thought it was going to be one of those things, um, especially like Jake pointed out, as time went on, I felt that Errol had probably been in the weight class a little too longer than he expected to be. And um, on the other hand, you know, Bud was getting better you know, and growing and growing more into the, the, um, the weight class. I thought, I thought if anything, because we all know Bud could be a slow starter. I thought it, he would take over from maybe round four and five and up, and then a stoppage would come at round 11. But I, I, again, like Jake pointed out, I didn't think from round two onward that he would be not, 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 not just not a competitive major, but it, it was just one-sided domination from, from there on out. I mean, the, um, the jab that put down EJ in, in the second round, um, EJ, you know, arrow coming in with a big shot, but still getting put down with off the counter from, from Bud Crawford, um, twice and twice it was, I believe in the seventh round or so. And then after that, I took the eighth round off, but still won it. And then the ninth round, we've seen what happened.
2: Yeah, you know, Jamel, Jake mentioned something about the lifestyle that Bud Crawford leads and yeah. people bring this up a lot. The the clean life, you know, just living, eating, drinking, boxing, not having the vices that some other fighters had. Uh, including Errol Spence, who, who look, we, we've seen him, he works hard, he plays hard. Like, that's right. that's the lifestyle yeah. he's chosen. Uh, you know, how much do you think that factored into specifically when it comes to Bud and the fact that he is all about boxing all the time?
4: I mean, I, I think that factors in a lot. Uh, like I said, it, for most fighters, it's more about what you do when the cameras aren't on you, that, that, as we say at times, um... It's all about, like I said, like I always said, boxing is a lifestyle, and it really is. You it, know, it's not just about yeah. You you can work as hard as you want in the gym, you can put as many hours as you in, but if you're not taking care of your body, more importantly uh, on the outside, it can play an effect. Because let's be honest, um, even even after during the mock weigh in, I kind of looked at Errol and looked at his face, it seemed like he didn't like rehydrate at all, or you know, really put as much the weight. You know, it just, he just he still looked like looked like a man that was really going into a first weigh in and, and didn't have a chance you know, and it has been cutting weight all week in terms of, um, when you've seen Bud Crawford, when he got, when he got on the stage, you guys seen he was dancing, having fun with the crowd. And, you know, he, he was enjoying the, the moment. So when I started seeing that, I was, I was like, okay, so it's going to be, a, it's going to be a, a big difference tomorrow night because you can just look at the energy within both fighters and, and really can tell that, um, that Bud was really, you know, he was there for business and he felt good and he looked good.
2: Jake, you mentioned what Jamel, or what, uh, sorry, Errol was before the car accident. And he had two fights after the accident, both pretty high level wins. He beat Danny Garcia. He beat Yodinus Ugas, the latter by knockout, we picked up a third piece of that title. And Ugas was coming off a career best win uh, over Manny Pacquiao. Uh, yeah, but coming in, did you think that Errol was a different fighter than the guy we saw you know, prior to that accident?
1: You know, I, I'm going to be honest. The way he beat Yor-Denis Ugas really restored my hope. Was like, you know what? This guy is the best welterweight in the world, but has to beat him to prove that he's the best. That really, re- I said, you know, I, I felt like he was all the way back at that point. That long layoff, it didn't help. He made that choice. So it's like, and look, Errol put it out there himself. I don't make any excuses. You know, right. he lost the fight. He doesn't want anyone sympathizing for him. So I, I'm not going to make those excuses for him. I do have to wonder if he took that Keith Thurman fight, even at a higher weight. You know, like just to, you know, not only shake off that ring Ross, but he's not cutting weight. Maybe a healthier version that fights him in February, then gets this fight in July. Maybe we get a different result. But again, he's the one who said no excuses, so I'm not making it for him. But right. I am a little bit curious to see what happens at 154. But um, I, I, like I said, I just don't know. What to, I, like I said, when he fought Ugas, I thought it kind of leveled the playing field a little bit. I still favored Bud, but. He looked a lot better than he did against Danny Garcia, you know, and for good reason. It's like, you know, one situation, he overcame a, you know, life-threatening car crash. The other, he overcame, you know, boxers have overcome, not minimizing it, but they have overcome detached retinas before. So, you know, Errol is among that class. So, um, like I said, last year, I was like, okay, Errol's all the way back. If they fought last November, it probably would have been a much different fight than it was in July. But again, the choices were made as to how we got here. You know, Bud chose to fight David Abanesian to stay a little bit sharp at least. And, you know, not have that, you know, extensive layoff. Errol chose that.
2: Jamel, do you do you agree with that? That if the fight happened, you know, six months, seven months before, maybe we would have had a different outcome. I just watched that fight. And, yeah, we can talk about think, the weight think, yeah. and, and Spence being drained. And we can talk about uh, Crawford maybe being a little bit sharper because he did have that fight in the fall of last year against David Avanissian. But... Man, I I watched Crawford and there was, even though he lost that first round, he always loses the first round because he kind of just downloads that information tries to figure (laughs) out what the guys are going to do when they're going up against him. I just, Crawford didn't look like he was breaking a sweat at any point. I mean, most of the highlights I've seen on social media are like if Crawford, yo, yapping at Jermell Charlo in the crowd. Right. You know, after, after putting, you know, Spence down. I just don't know. It just feels like as excellent a fighter as I'm sure Errol Spence is, Crawford might just not, might be on another level.
4: It is, and 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 he is though, Chris. Um, I think even even if so, the fight played out earlier, or if EJ had a tune-up in between, it just you could you could clearly see the difference in skill level and skill set, and the things that um that Bud was doing in there was just a different level. Like he was just he was just sharp. Whether he, if he had a tune-up or not, I think I, th- I just think that he, he's just a better fighter than um Errol Spence, and it's not a, it's not saying that Errol Spence isn't great himself. That but you know. In every era, we always get that that generational type of fighter, and you know, Bud is just that guy. Like he's just on that elite status where now he's being talked about amongst the greats from the '80s and, and so on. So you know, Errol Spence, I, I believe he, he can come back. Um, he can do things that maybe at 154 pounds. But again, I don't. I don't care to see the rematch. Honestly, um, I think I think we I think we've seen a, pretty much enough just from um, Saturday night. If anything, I'd would, I would rather focus on September 30th and see how Jamel Charlo and Canelo play out because I think in that in, in that fight you'll probably get a greater picture in terms of um, Bud's next opponent. And I would definitely love to see Jamel Charlo come back down to 154 pounds and defend his undisputed title against a guy like Terence Crawford.
2: You know, you you um, I was watching a clip of Shakur Stevenson recently, and Shakur was talking about the first time he sparred with Bud Crawford and. He that was the only time he ever got the crap kicked out of him in the ring. That was the first time you realized there were levels to this game. Yeah, um, you've sparred with Crawford. Like, do, do you have a similar, you know, story or a similar experience oh, yeah. of oh,
4: yeah. I mean, kind of seeing mean, I remember um, I was brought into the Crawford camp for the um, Donegal the Donegal fight when he was when he was um, going up on going for undisputed at 140 pounds, and I never forget the first sparring session. I got the ring and it was another sparring partner, um, Jamante Clark at the time, was also with me in that camp. And we were just like, this guy, this guy is not real. Like, there's no, like, he, like, because it, it, it was the same thing in sparring. I'm thinking, like, okay, the first round, he comes out slow, whatever. So I'm thinking, okay, it's just going to be just, you know, we're just working on things. And the second round, gets some instructions. And it was just a whole different, it was just a whole different animal. And I'm like, man, this guy is incredible.
2: Jake, um, there is. A a rematch clause that Spence says he is ready to exercise. He wants the fight to be at 154. Uh, Crawford can you know, obviously influence that, but Crawford seemed to be fine with the fight taking place at 154. Um, you know, I, I'm not surprised to hear Spence say, "I want the rematch right after a fight like that." But you know, a week, two weeks, three weeks go by. Do you think he's going to take it? I mean, we're, he's talking before the end of the year. It's August 1st. Uh, you know, we're, that's right around the corner. That seems like a pretty quick turnaround to come back uh, against a fighter like this after taking a beating like that?
1: You know, it's easy for me to sit here in my air-conditioned office and say, you know what, (laughs) Errol, chill, count his money, rest and reload. You know, I I think, you know, Jamel was, you know, he blessed me enough to write a story saying he was uh, coming back. The first question I got asked, why is 37-year-old Jamel Herring coming back? I said, because he knows his body best. He knows that he's ready. Errol Spence knows himself better than the rest of us. He needs his team maybe to, you know, hey, you know, you shouldn't do this i know we just came an awful long layoff he also took a vicious vicious beating on saturday night i'm not going to say it was a career you know career ending beating like some are saying but he can definitely this is a point where he can use some rest not another year year and a half off but people are already talking about he didn't look the same maybe there's some neurological damage i don't know any of that i'm not a doctor i don't know if the people who are commenting on it are actually doctors but now all of a sudden all those concerns are out that this guy doesn't look the same that's a lot to consider to say you know what let's rush this guy back in the ring five months from now just watching what he took on Saturday night, no, I would not want to see him come back that soon. I think he'd be doing himself a disservice. I know he's a proud man, but he's not a foolish man. So, you know, early right. next year, if you have to do the you know, the rematch, do it. But like you said, Bud already said he's down for it. You know, he got the payday here. He's willing to fight him at 154. Who knows what happens September 30th. Maybe Jamel gives up a title and they're fighting for a belt at 154. So at that point, maybe it makes sense. I just don't see like for everything they did and, all. you know, this fight was, you know, far, had far greater uh, you know, financial ceiling than it did a year ago. I just don't see how you match that coming back November, December based on what we just saw on July 29th.
2: Yeah, Jamel, uh, I just, I don't care if it takes place at 154. I don't think it changes anything. I don't. Right. I mean, I, I think Bud has the potential to be even stronger at 154. It's not easy it for him to make 147 <laughs> either. And he said as much after the fight. I just think it would be, uh, a, a, it would be a money grab Errol Spence to to right. take that fight right away and a risky one at that, because I mean, that was a, that was as big a beating as we've seen Errol Spence ever take in the ring. The only yeah, times he's ever been down in the ring. So I mean, I, I'd be, you know, like, like Jake said, like we're not doctors, but it sure looks like Errol Spence is a different fighter since the car accident. I, I you know, for me, it's, he sounds different than the guy that I've spoken to before the car mm-hmm. accident. I I forget, you know, or, you know, take a rest for sure. But if you got to come back at 154, ease your way back into it. You know, come back at 154 against one or two medium level guys, and then look for the Crawford fight. Because the Crawford fight's always going to be there. There's always going to be interest in a rematch if both these guys are rising in the 154 pound division. But the idea of taking it right away—that that just seems crazy to me.
4: I don't think, and also I don't think anyone's looking at the. Um, let's be honest, that the medical suspension that comes after a fight like that, yeah. the way the way he took a beating like that, I don't think. I I just don't think, like, again, for health-wise, it's it's good. Like, Bud Croft is not good for your health. Let's be honest. He's just not good for your health. And Bud has said it (laughs) thousands of times. Like, every time I fight a guy, you know, they're not the same. And this could be one of those, like, cases that that his words are true. And I just don't like Alex I love Errol. He's a a good friend of mine, great guy. But I don't think it's necessary to jump, you know, right back into the fire that quickly. Maybe, you know, like, again, take some time off, come back, and – in the new year, and potentially get someone else, to get you like again get accustomed with the new weight class. But jumping back to a Bud Crawford fight, it doesn't do it doesn't change anything because again, like you guys pointed out, Bud is going to be just as strong, if not stronger, at one hundred fifty four pounds anyway.
2: Jake, it's been a long time since I've seen a fighter like do what Crawford did, where he knocks Spence down and he turns to. Jermel Charlo in the crowd and says, you're next like that in a fight of that level. Usually you can see that in a lower level fight, but when you have, you know, arguably the best opponent of your career in front of you, you're turning to his stablemate in the crowd going, I'm coming for you next. I mean, what did you make of that?
1: Yeah. I was going to say earlier in the week, in welcomed Marlon Topolis in the ring, but wasn't even that brazen about he knew, he's like, yeah, you know what, let's do this fight later this year. But he, yeah, it wasn't like the moment he knocked down Stephen Fulton, he said, you know, called him out the way. But, Bud, like I said, he knew what he was walking into really from the moment he got this fight. Moment, you know, Errol yeah. finally, as he put it, gave in and, you know, gave it Bud his last demand. Bud knew, you know, everything he wanted from there on out. And the more Jamel talked, the more he's going to say, yep, I want that fight. When the, this fight wasn't going to happen, he was prepared to fight Jamel Charlo. So I, I definitely believe Bud sees that in his future. And, like, they're stablemates. If Errol can't do it, just let go Jamel. Look, Jamel's fighting Canelo because, you know, he said, you know, his brother's not in the place to go fight him. So w- regardless of what happens to September thirty, he can go do the same with Bud next year. I always had a theory with Errol that I, this is when I thought they weren't going to fight, that right. one of them, it, whether Maul, Mel, or Errol, would move up in weight, and then the rest would follow, and that Errol would fight someone like a Bakram Murtazalia for, you know, one of the – if Jamel would to give up a title. I, I would like to see that. And Jamel fight uh Terrence Crawford for next year. That that's the path I would really like to can, see. Can, can but again, we, I, I, just I love add, the fact that Bud, can, you know, Bud wants the absolute best. He doesn't want to go backwards. He doesn't want a vacant belt. He beat the best at 147. Now he wants to go straight to 154. And this will be the fourth <laughs> division where he will have beaten the best guy to to win a world championship.
2: I would be willing to bet real money, Jamel, that uh We'd never see Bud Crawford, Jermell Charlo, in part because I think Canelo's about to end Jermell Charlo. I do. I think. I, I do. I think he's going to end him. Like I, I think. I hope
4: he does it. Please, Canelo, please don't.
2: I'm just saying. Uh, like I think he's going to finish him off. Like, look, Jermell Charlo was you know life and death in two fights with Brian Castano. Like, what's he going to do with Canelo Alvarez in front of him? Who. Canelo, his demise, I think, has been greatly exaggerated, right? Like, he's not the same guy he was three years ago, but he's still a top-five fighter. He's still Canelo. <laughs> right. And jumping up 2 weight class to fight a guy who is unquestionably the top dog at 168, that's not going to go well for Jermell Charlo. And Jermel this or last week, he's like, I'll come back down. Roy Jones did it. That's not the best example, right? No, Roy no, Jones no, did no, it no, and then no. failed at it. Roy Jones went from heavyweight to light heavyweight. <laughs> And, and, and it was a disaster. One. Got knocked out by Antonio Tarver. Like, that's... Why are you using that as an example? I don't know. I, I'd love to see... Don't and, and and we know Johnson. Be, <laughs> don't yeah. big Glenn Johnson. Big either. Glenn Johnson. I love Glenn Johnson. It just, it did, the point is, it didn't work out for, yeah, for Roy did. Jones. And I don't think it's going to work out for Jermell Charlo. I think it's going to be a rough night for Jermell Charlo in the ring against Canelo Alvarez. And maybe he comes back down, but it's probably only going to be to like to 160 because he's not going to come back as... The undisputed champion, because we know the second that first bell rings, Jermel Charlo is going to get stripped of his WBO title. So it's it's right. that Tim Zoo is going to get elevated to that top spot. I, I just, I, Jermel, I don't think it's happening. I don't think we're going to see. So, 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 so wait, wait. So we
4: we, we could put, we, we could possibly see a Zoo and Crawford fight though,
2: because
4: you know you know that you know, but if he if he hands in that that his welterweight title WBO, he's on boom automatic mandatory. So I, I mean that's a good fight to see as well. I, I think it's a fight. good
2: it's a good fight. And I, I guess that's my next question. Like for Bud Crawford, if, if Spence passes on the rematch, where do you go? What's the best fight for you? Obviously, Jamel's going to be off the table. If he fights in September, right. he's probably not going to fight again anywhere until the middle of next year at the earliest, maybe longer given some of the layoffs that he's had Perfect. as of late. Um, but I don't know. You know, you could go up to 154. You could start the process of fighting for junior middleweight titles. Tim Zoo is a semi-marketable fight. There's also Boots Ennis at 147, and there's going to be probably more interest in the U.S. in a Crawford Boots Ennis fight than there is right. a Crawford Tim Zoo fight. I mean, what's the best option do you think for Bud Crawford?
4: I look at I look at it. Um, I look at it like this: it'll basically be a replay of um, when Crawford moved up to 47 and going to Australia again, well, fighting an Australian. <laughs> for the for the WBO welterweight title, I can I can see him doing the same thing, fighting another Australian for the WBO, you know, junior middleweight title. But of course, yeah, on, on this side of the pond um, of, of the world atmosphere, of course, Boots Ennis is the guy that did, you know the, the next one up. You know, the next one up. But again, um, a, a, a guy like Charles Crawford, just experience alone, you know, when wins that matchup alone, let alone, you know, when it, Bud steps up went to the competition level. So, you know, if, if he, if he feels like you're a threat oh, he's, he's going to step up to the plate, he's, he's, gonna, he's definitely going to put his, um, this full arsenal on the table and go to work. But again, I don't like marketable wise in, ter- well, in terms of legacy wise, the fight doesn't do anything for, for Bud now because again, Boots still is, you know, he's still developing and growing, growing in his own right. But, uh, you know, a guy like Zoo, at least, you know, the name alone, you know, the name alone carries a lot. So, I can see that matchup going down down 150 pounds in the future as well.
2: Jake, what do you think is the most? What makes the most business sense for Crawford? You know, whether it's Boots, Tim, Zeus, somebody else. What do you think makes the most business sense right now? I mean, if he sits it out,
1: sits it out and waits, then a Spencer rematch would probably be the most financial. You know, the, the greatest financial uh, windfall for him. It's again, none of us. I think we all agree. None of us really want to see that fight next. For me. I, I felt like before Bud said that he was willing to move up to 154 to fight uh, expense, I felt like the best case scenario played out because if Errol won, Bud would have exercised the rematch clause. Arrow would have said it's 154, the 147 pound division's on hold. Bud won. He's the undisputed champ. To my knowledge, he can make 147 at least one more fight. Get that division going. Now, look, I'm not saying I love a Bud-Keith Thurman fight, but I would much rather see Keith Thurman fight Terrence Crawford than Clarissa Shields. <laughs> I <should say> that. <laughs> <laughs> but at the same time, Keith Thurman is now a guy who has fought once since the pandemic. Yeah, he like the guy last year It's the same thing over and over, right? Montesanionis had waited out Virgil Ortiz. He hasn't fought since last April, so obviously, I want to see him get back in the ring. Bud has good options at one forty-seven. I don't know if any of them are blockbuster events. He becomes the guy that elevates them more so than. You know, those guys raising his, um, his Q uh, rating. but I mean, Obviously, the Boots fight is the sexiest of the three. Showtime is, you know, heavily invested in Boots. So, you know, maybe they can make that worth Bud's while. I don't think he's particularly scared to fight anyone, 147 or 154. But just for the sake of keeping the line moving, I would like to see at least one of those mandatory satisfied. I, I, I just got this thing with guys being elevated without having to fight for the title. I want to see at least one of them try to fight and beat Terrence Crawford to, to become champ.
2: There was, somebody put out a tweet um, where Keith Thurman spent the week calling out fighters and the only <laughs> one to call him out was Claressa Shields. Like, that Brian Blake. that, that, that yeah. that's how successful uh, Keith Thurman was with his his calls. He's become like a WWE character. He's using himself as yeah, a third Keith, person. Yeah. But, he, but it's it's kind of getting a little bit old because he won't fight. Like, he just won't get yeah. back in the ring against anybody. He's had such a long layoff that he almost forgot the days of when he was beating Sean Porter and beating Danny Garcia. Um, right. Yeah, yeah. Let me ask you this, uh, Jake. Is do we know what the order is for mandatories with, with Bud now that he's got all four belts? Like, who's first up? You know, Paper- who, is there going to be someone he has to make a decision on sooner rather than later?
1: Paperwork wise, I am almost positive Stanionis is the next in line. He was supposed to fight, you know, um, Ugas if I'm not mistaken. And then the WBA said, "No, what? We're going to let Ugas fight Errol Spence. You're on the undercard." Well, actually, Butayev was the whatever regular champ. So Stanionis got to fight him he was supposed to fight the winner of spence ugas that was the agreement that if spence didn't go fight terence crawford he was supposed to be the mandatory the wba had that on the table until they decided okay well now you're going to fight virgil ortiz we know what happened you and i were there in san antonio to watch that fight fall apart and now the uh, wba said virgil ortiz is out the way stanionis doesn't have a mandatory therefore he should be next to fight for that super championship i have a feeling he's going to be the guy that's going to be elevated um Ironically, if Terrence Corford was still a top rank, that's probably the type of fight that they would give him as like the, the least marketable option and, and, and the toughest option. Because Danny Onis is hell for anyone. Um, but yeah, like I said, to my knowledge, he's next. And then um, to, I think Spence, the only mandatory he made was Danny Garcia. That was for the WBC. So that would actually put Keith Thurman last. But again, the WBC, you know, they tried to order that fight. And the agreement was they were going to fight above the weight. So, but um, I, I believe it's Stany Onis, Thurman, Boots.
2: D- Jamel, mm-hmm. do you think any of those fights would interest Crawford? I mean, he is 35 years old, so the clock's ticking on his career. Do you think any of those fights would? I think would.
4: I think the only one that interests that, that would, honestly, from me knowing him, probably be the um the boots. dry in this fight because the simple fact that everyone keeps putting you know boots on a on a high pedestal for for his um you know for what he does and his skill level. So I think if anything like like, like again with the with the arrow Spence fight, Bud is this type of guy who likes to prove people wrong, so he'll, he'll take on the challenges that people feel that have a threat, a threat in there with him. So, I, if anything, I, I think the boost in this fight will, 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 out of those three would be the one that gets him, you know, motivated to get back in the gym. Like you guys pointed out with Keith Thurman, he hasn't fought in so long. And, um, you know, again, standing only in his fight, they, that, that doesn't do much for um. In, ter- in terms of, um, you know, just in terms of, more, you know, motivating a guy like Bud because he's, he's not a bad right. fighter. But, again, he, he's, 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 very, he's pretty much still unknown. At least, on, at least on this side of the world.
1: Yeah, I, think, I do wonder. I'm sorry. I don't mean to jump in. I want to say this. I do wonder if Bud would love to beat up a Cameron Duncan fighter or not want to give the Cameron Duncan fighter <laughs> any business. That was a good
2: point. That was a good point. I think he'd love to beat him up, frankly. That's what I, I, think, look, I, think, too. I think. I think, it's I both, think Boots yeah. is an excellent fighter, but <laughs> I mean, after watching what Bud did to Spence, are, are we yep. making Boots, was he three to one underdog, four to one underdog in a fight like yep. that? You know, and, and he's still in his prime, Terence Crawford. And, uh, you know, I'd want to see it, but I wouldn't give Boots that much of a chance to win it, as good as he is, because Crawford sure. is just on that next level. Uh, so the pound-for-pound pound debate. We had two great fights last week. In a way, dominates, knocks out Stephen Fulton. Then we had Crawford dominates, knocks out Errol Spence. Uh, on my pound-for-pound, pound, it was pretty easy for me. Uh, I-, I thought Crawford needed to do to Spence what In a way did to Fulton to solidify his, st- his uh, spot at the top. He did that. And then some dominated, knocked out a fellow top five pound for pound. So for me, Jake Crawford, won in a way to, what do you have on your pound for pound list?
1: You know, Cliff just asked us to submit the boxing scene list and I put in a way Crawford and then a lot of spaces for a number three. So that that, I think that part is obvious. I I personally have in a way still, I've always had in a way ahead. Look, Terrence, I, and I even said, I, you know, Terrence Crawford needed to do what he did to make that number one claim. Nobody expected it. So for that reason, he probably should deserve number one. I certainly wouldn't argue. And I expect, you know, pushback if I tell people, well, way should be ahead of Crawford. So I'm perfectly fine with Terrence Crawford, one way two. All
2: right, Jamel, what do you say? Um, I'll I go with
4: Bud. You know, Bud would be number one. But I'm, I'm a huge fan of Inouye's. um Both of them have, both of them overall have a great body of work from just the divisions that, that, from the past that they did conquered. So, you know, but again, when you look at the matchup between, you know, Basically, two guys on a pound pound list. You, I, you, you. Sometimes you got You got to go with that matchup as you know. That's the one that's going to determine who's the best. And like, like you guys both point out, we all had a feeling that, that Bud, you know, Bud will win it. But it's just the way he did it and the way he in dominant fashion and against another great champion who held, you know, who who held most of the the titles in the, the division. So I will go with Bud Crawford as number one. But um, um, in a way, he's not too far behind. Not too far behind at all. He's probably one A, one A, one B.
2: Yeah, yeah, and I, I, would say like there's, there's definitely distance between two and three, but I think it's a shorter mm-hmm. distance in my mind because I think Usyk's right there at number three. We kind of forget a little bit of what he accomplished over the last five years because he's been off yeah. for, for a period of time now. But after that, it's there, there's a gap. There's a gap. Those right. three guys are at the top, and it's, uh, it's pretty clear. Um, last thing I want to talk to you guys about from Crawford Spence to Paul Diaz. This weekend, we've got Jake Paul (laughs) dipping his uh, big right hand back into the MMA ranks to take on Nate Diaz uh, in a uh, boxing match. Uh, Jake, what do you make of Jake Paul, you know, after fighting Tommy Fury, uh, not really pushing for an immediate rematch, but going back to the well of these former MMA guys uh, who are popular, but maybe not on his level?
1: You know, um, I can't remember who brought this up, and I, I hate it because I do like to give people that credit. But I, if people, it seems like Jake Paul, like his marketability kind of dipped a little bit because he was trying too hard to prove that he is a real boxer. He puts in the work. Everyone that trains with him says mm-hmm. his work ethic is off the chart. He doesn't have to prove himself to anyone. So I, I'm perfectly fine with him going right back into this world. I hope it somehow ends with him in KSI. I, I mean, I personally don't care if the fight ever happens, but if he's going to stay in this world, that seems like the natural portion, uh, progression. I'm perfectly fine with him taking this fight it's not gonna really prove anything i mean nate diaz i you know when you talk to him it's like how is this guy licensed you know but i guess it's just how we <laughs> i i i don't know what to expect but you know look this is the fight that mma you know i guess to a lesser degree boxing always wanted so i'm fine with it i'm not sure i'm fine with it after you know you know, people could complain all they want about the $85 price tag, that fight warranted, you know, that was a super fight that warranted premium. It just feels weird paying 55 bucks for the fight this weekend after watching, you know, an event like that. But, you know, here we are. So, um, I, with Jake Paul, the thing I appreciate too look, I'm very friendly with Amanda Serrano in her camp. My wife is actually friendly with Amanda Serrano. So, you know, I'm happy to see her, you know, continue to get her shine. she Daisy Green is on the card. She's going to make her case for wanting to fight Savannah Marshall. So, those are the things I'm getting out of the show that, you know, Jake Paul is kind of bringing everyone else along for the ride. So, I, I think it should be fun. Those guys will, you know, anything you expect to go right or wrong during, you know, fight week probably will happen Wednesday, Thursday. So that's oh, yeah. that's what you get out of Jake Paul. That puts him right back in his wheelhouse.
2: It's <laughs> it, Yeah, wheelhouse, Jamel, is the right word. I mean, this is exactly where Jake Paul needs to be. I uh, will give him right. credit for jumping up and fighting Tommy Fury, who's not, you know, Tommy Fury's not winning any world titles either th- in his career, but he's much more of a quote-unquote boxer than right. Jake Paul is, and it was right. a, a reasonably close fight, or a per, a, a, the right outcome of that fight, but a reasonably close fight. But this is kind of exactly where Jake Paul needs to be as the antagonist against these former UFC guys, these MMA fighters. Uh, I mean, Nate Diaz, incredibly successful UFC career. I give him almost no chance to win this fight. No chance whatsoever. I mean, Nate Diaz is a guy that I think he campaigned, what, like 155, 160, that kind of range. He's going to fight Jake Paul at like 185. He's going to come up 30 pounds in a sport he's never, you know, He's never (laughs) been in before. I mean, you know, Andre Ward is out there, you know, backstopping him a little bit, you know, giving him some credit as a boxer because of their time sparring together. But say what you want about Jake. He's got power. He's got a big right hand. And at some point during this fight, fourth, fifth, sixth round, he's going to land that big right hand. And we've seen, you know, I've watched some Nate Diaz fights in the past. When he gets hit by these right hands, he goes down. A lot of times he gets back up, but when he gets hit by a power puncher, like Jake Paul, even a rudimentary one, uh, I think he's gonna have a lot of problems in this fight. I think Jake Paul is gonna win this fight by some kind of violent knockout.
4: No, I I, I agree with you guys both again, but I'm gonna go for like what Jake was saying. I'm more I'm more um, you know, more respectful towards Jake in terms of what he what he's doing for the real fighters on the card. Like you know, he's giving them, he's giving fighters like Amanda Serrano their, their biggest payday, if you may say so, and things like that. Ain't just so you know, I credit to, I credit to him for at least giving back to to the um the real ones of the sport of boxing, but. I'm with, I'm with you though, Chris. I, I, I don't really care for the main event. Don't care the the by the event. Honestly, I, especially after coming off a weekend like we did just now, and again, yeah, it's probably going to end up with another um high, a Jake Paul highlight knockout in some way, of somebody probably falling on their face.
2: Yeah, <laughs> uh, look. I like Amanda Serrano getting back into the ring. I'm not so sure about Amanda Serrano, Heather Hardy, though. I don't, I was at that first fight, and if that fight yeah. had gone in the first round, two minutes and five seconds, uh, Heather Hardy yeah. would have been knocked out. That that fight was was over. She's a little bit older. She's been a lot more inactive than Amanda Serrano. Shadasha Green is someone I am interested in seeing because I think she's yes. the first... She's probably the first real threat Correct. at 160 or 168 <laughs> to Claressa Shields, and that's what we're looking for. We're looking for... Uh, you know, real opponents for the caressor. If she win this fight, you know, maybe she gets uh, shot the winner of Claressa against Savannah Marshall uh, part two. But it's uh it's going to be interesting. I just, you know, Jake, when it comes to Jake Paul, like I, I think he should just stay in this lane as long as he can. Now, at some point, he's going to run out of UFC guys. Like at some point, these guys <laughs> that exit UFC are are not going to be available to him. But could I see like Conor McGregor trying to force a fight against Jake Paul if Jake beats Nate Diaz? Yeah, yeah, I could see that because yeah. Conor McGregor is going to see dollar signs, He's going to see opportunity. Um, it's it's just going to be his best chance to make a big, a quick buck at the end of his career.
1: Yeah, no, that's the perfect example too because Jake he knows his audience. His audience is it's the UFC crowd that wants to see these guys. One of them finally try to pick him off. I don't think any of them are Tyron Woodley. I guess he kind of came close. I thought Jake Paul, you know, deserved to win the first fight. I thought too much was made of that decision, but, you know, he smoked him in the rematch. You know, that that one right hand just ended the fight. So, and he's going to do that to the rest of the crowd, and especially as Conor McGregor gets older, is out of the ring, you know, whatever drug testing you want to bring in or whatever. I know that's a big thing with him (laughs) trying to come back to the UFC. So, that's, yeah, that that would be a huge, you know, uh, pot of gold at the end of that rainbow if we don't get KSI. I'm sure that's a much more lucrative fight. So, I, I could definitely see. Jake Paul going there, right? I, I really can't – I don't follow UFC enough. I don't know who else would be relevant enough. I could think of other names. None of those guys are even at that weight. So, yeah, he is, he is getting uh, close to the end. But he also said yeah. – he's the guy that said he wants to get to what? 10 and – well, I guess now 10 and 1, 11 and 1, and then he wants to whatever, play football, play basketball, do all these other things. So, you know, maybe there is a finish line for him, and it is coming up in the next year or two.
2: Oh, these are – the people buying – Jake Paul against Nate Diaz are the UFC fans. Like, it's not so much the yeah, boxing fans so. that are buying it. It's UFC fans who, even after watching him beat up on Ben Askren, knock out Tyron Woodley, beat Anderson Silva, they still believe. The same ones that believe Conor McGregor was going to beat Floyd, they still believe. And Nate Diaz <laughs> is still wildly popular amongst UFC fans. And they're going to be the ones that are buying, plunking down that cash, filling up American Airlines Center. It's going to be an event. Like, it's, it's going to be a good scene, you know, down in Dallas this weekend. Maybe not as great or as electric as Crawford Spence, but... You know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they sold out down there, you know, come mm-hmm. fight night and uh, it, it it's going to be a crowd. Uh, and, and yeah, KSI is probably the next guy on that hit list. If KSI can find a way to beat Tommy Fury and who knows who knows how that one's going to go when that happens in all a right. couple of months. But if that if that goes that way, uh, yeah, I can see Jake Paul KSI, which is like a family affair now because Logan's partners with KSI and it's all right. just some weird <laughs> it's going to be a social media extravaganza uh that's for sure so i've officially got jake paul by knockout in that fight i think it happens midway through the fight for jake paul all right check out jake donovan's stuff on boxing scene.com you can check him out all week long over there check out jamel in training camp for his fight yeah. coming up hopefully sometime in october shout out to, to my guy hands. shout out to
4: my guy wayne mccullough man. I'll, I'll see you soon wayne, <laughs> wayne mccullough <laughs> okay. going to
2: vegas right yes going yes. to vegas Yes, yes,
4: yeah. I'll be there. I, I'm trying. I, I, I want to get there. Honestly, um, end of this week or sometime next week. But I definitely I get there soon because I definitely want to. I'm definitely gonna be using the UFC PI, you know, for my strength and conditioning. You know, just to get my put my muscle back on and and do what I got to do from there. But definitely looking forward to it.
2: Remember that, Jake. Boxing with Chris Mannix, according to Jamel. Yes.
1: I love uh, that union. Th- this is now two of my all-time favorite boxers that will be training <laughs> I loved Wayne McCullough
4: back in the day. Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. Oh, Wayne's yeah. a
4: good
2: guy. Good guy, good guy. Well, good luck, Jamel. Jake, good to talk to you. Always appreciate Thank it. You. And when we come back, my conversation with Oscar Valdez. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Now, I'm supposed to talk here about what I remember and what I loved All right, Oscar Valdez is a former two-division world champion. He will look to become a three-time world champion on Saturday when he takes on Emmanuel Navarrete. That's a fight you could watch on ESPN. Oscar, so in 2021, you picked up 130-pound title, 22. You lost it. What's the goal now for you in 2023?
0: So my main goal right now is to come back, come back where I left left off, you know, against... You know, I was a world champion, like you said, from twenty one to twenty twenty two. I lost against Shaker and So right now my main goal is to get those titles back. You know, I miss being I miss being called a champion. I miss feeling like a champion and and this is my this is my perfect opportunity, a perfect chance to to get it back. And what better way against the tough fighter of again uh against a good fighter like Vaquero Navarrete? Two Mexican fighters who're gonna fight to the hearts of and, and we're gonna give it our best. So I'm very excited for this fight, and and I'm I'm ready. I'm ready, you know, physically, mentally for this challenge.
2: How do you feel about fighting another Mexican?
0: I feel good. I feel good about that because uh, I feel, you know, so I grew up in the era of uh, watching uh, Contrano Barrera and Eric Morales. So I grew up watching those type of fighters that, 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 that give wars, that give tough fights and give the fans what they want. So me going up against uh, somebody like Vaquero Navarrete, Mexican, who comes forward and, and doesn't give up, that's a perfect opportunity for me to to give the fans what they want. You know, people like to see they like to, they like to see knockdowns, they like to see blood, they like to see when fighters give it their all inside the ring. And I think this fight could be that case because of Vaquero Navarrete style in my style. We're both fighters that we're not going to back down. We're not going to go you know try to unbox uh, our opponents. We're going to go there toe to and, and try to giving the fans what
2: they want. took that loss, as you mentioned, to Shakur Stevenson last year. Uh How difficult was that loss to get past?
0: It was difficult. It was very difficult because, you know, um, I've always considered myself a disciplined fighter uh, ever since I was in the amateurs to, to this day, professional now that I've been very focused on doing the right things. And you're used to... You're used to that. That when you do everything right, you discipline in life, and you do the diet right, and you do the exercise right, and you wake up early in the morning. Life has taught me that everything should go 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 well, because that's what that's what the price is. And the fact that I did that for Shakur fight, fight, I did everything as I should have done, and having to lose against some world, well, the world fell on top of me because sometimes. Sometimes it's just a, a hard pill to swallow and to accept the fact that the fighter you got in front of you is just simply better than you, and that was really very hard for me to to uh, accept that. Like I said, because I worked so hard for this, I wake up early in the mornings early, I stay in my diet, and even if I take vacations, I'm constantly in the gym. And knowing the fact that that wasn't enough to win this fight, well, it was very tough to 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 deal with, but. You know what? You know after after a week or two, of going through my own depression, you know, going back and forth. I should have done this. I should have done that. I just talked to myself and I said, you know what? Suck it up. You win some, you lose some, and you just you gotta get up from that and, and, and go on to the next step. You know, and, and that's in the boxing world, but that's also in life. You know, you might not always be successful in one thing or one fight, but you get up. You focus. You go back to a drawing board. You try to be a better person or a better fighter. And That's what I'm trying to do in this case. You know, we're trying to make a statement that not that only because you lost a fight doesn't mean you're done in the in, in, in the boxing world. Because I felt that that was a that's been one of the fears of a lot of fighters not facing the best or against the best because we we're, we're scared of fight, losing that undefeated record. Because once you lose the undefeated record, you're almost out. People uh, don't consider you worthy enough to watch. So I want to make that statement that now just because you, you have a loss in your career doesn't mean you can't do great things in boxing.
2: Now, the biggest star in the world is your stablemate, Canelo Alvarez, who can speak to that. You know, a couple losses on his resume hasn't diminished his uh, his popularity one bit. That's for sure. Um, it, it, oh, on Shakur, there's a lot of people that think he's almost unbeatable at in these lower weight classes. Having shared the ring with them, uh, would you agree with that? Well,
0: I have this. I, I, I personally think that no fighter out there is unbeatable. You know, every fighter out there is beatable, and I would include that to the great, you know, Floyd Mayweather. You know, a lot of people thought he lost against, uh, Foster Luis Castillo. So, it just shows that every fighter out there is beatable. But me beating the ring with someone like Chris Stevenson, I can honestly say, it's going to be very difficult to beat that guy because he's very, he's um, his skills wise is just good, and he's got great defense. His defense on point. He's got a good ring IQ, Um I can only talk from my experience that trying to land those shots against him is extremely hard. So he's a, um, I guess honestly think that he's he's going to be very hard to be Someone like Stevens. so I I can easily see him becoming someone like like Floyd Mayweather on the on the long run. It all depends on the, and if he stays disciplined and if he stays constantly like he's been doing it so far. So you know, um, I do see greatness in him. And, but I do see a lot of tough fighters right now. One thirty-five. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of good fighters, you know, especially with the with that guy Tank Davis. You know, Tank mm-hmm. Davis is a monster in that division. You know, it's just, uh, including you know Vasily Lomachenko and, and uh, Demon Haining, and even the fighters who are not champions. You know, like like Cambosos. You know, they're they're all tough fighters in the one thirty-five. So you know, it's it's a it's a very interesting weight class, but Talking from my experience, from me sharing the ring with someone like Chris Stevenson, I can honestly say that it's going to be very hard to be someone like him.
2: So you're 32 years old. Um, how do you feel at 32? And have you had to make any kind of adjustments over these last couple of years as you've gotten a little bit older?
0: You know what? I feel great, man. I feel great. You know, when I was a little kid, I used to think that 30 was a year old already. And I used to hear, you know, I used to look at my dad when he was 30. and I said, man, you're, you're old already. But on the contrary, right now, you know, I feel I feel physically, mentally good, you know. I haven't felt that that you know decline and where I feel physically, you know, where my I feel my speed is there, my agility is there. I spar young fighters at their twenties are you know, Olympic fighters and fighters that are twenty-fives and and I'm still in there going, you know, in sparring sessions and I'm still outworking them, and I'm still beating them to the punch. And that just shows me that, that I'm still there, you know. I, I, I can honestly say that I don't feel that I'm, I'm declining yet, you know. It's, but I do want to take advantage of, of whatever time I got left, because I don't want that time to come anytime soon. I feel the 30s nowadays are not 30 from back in the days. Nowadays you got doctors, you got you got a nutritionist, you got your strength and conditioning coach, so <laughs> that helps in longevity in your in your career as a professional athlete. So I do feel physically good. You know, uh, I feel I feel ready, but I know that I'm not getting any, any younger, so I gotta take advantage of any uh, all the time that I got. You know, I don't got no time to waste. I don't got time for no long vacations. I want to <laughs> continue working hard and do my best.
2: So I've been reading some strange ish comments from Navarrete, Stuff like, I- I'm not sure I can win this fight. Uh, I'm sure you've been told about this, read about it. Uh, how do you read that? How do you interpret that when you hear? At least publicly, words of doubt from your opponent?
0: Well, it could be a strategy game plan. So I don't really worry about, you know what? I, I mean, I don't listen to my opponent's saying. I've never done that. Like, listen to the interviews. And I've actually heard this several times now, too, due to reporters. And then um, the only thing that I can, I can, that um, comes to my mind, mind is don't believe that. Don't, don't let that fool you because it could be a game plan, it could be something that he's trying to, you know, push. To your mind, so I can get comfortable and then surprise. So right <laughs> now, you know, I'm I'm staying focused on what I can I control in my in, in my in my uh, camp. You know, we're doing a great job Me and Eddie Reynoso. We know my team. my know cousin Baba, We got the doctors. We we got everything. Camp is going so good, so so well that I'm just excited to be back. Don't really pay much too much attention to what the odds are or to what backer could possibly say because it doesn't. Because I've always heard opponents say that. They're going to beat me. They're going to knock me out. They're going to do this. They're gonna do that. And of course, you would expect a fighter to to say that. So if I don't pay attention to what they said right there, I w- why would I pay attention to something that he's saying that he doesn't feel sure of winning? So I'm just focused right now on, on winning the fight. You know, I don't take this fighter nothing lightly. I've never taken any fighter lightly, cl- including my last fight. That a lot of people were calling it a tuna fight. For me, it was very strange because for me it wasn't a tuna fight. For me, it was just a normal fight that I had to prepare myself because I know the fighter in front of me is gonna train very hard to, to to beat me. So I wouldn't call it a tuna fight because I take all fights seriously. And especially this one where I got Vaquero Navarrete, who we've seen before, he gets he does get sent to the camps. You could knock knock him down, but you better be damn ready that he's gonna get up and come for you since the first round to the twelfth round. So I'm very focused on, on, on the best version of Navarro. Uh, if something happens, you know, the first round of knockdown, well, that'll be great. You know, I get to go back home with my family, you know, but being more realistically, Vaqueros a tough fighter. He will fight from, from the first round to the 12th round with his heart out. So I got to be focused at every moment with him.
2: Does it feel different being the challenger once again? Yes,
0: yes, but it's it only motivates me. The Revolt motivates me because it brings me back to for the first time that I became a world champion in 2016. And we were fighting for the Baker World title at that that time. But it feels something similar. It feels something similar because I lost my title against Christina. So right now it's like I'm not a champion. So I'm going up against the the, the challenge to to get my dream belt. So, you know, it, it feels similar to that. So... You know, I'm, I'm. just. I can honestly say right now that I'm enjoying every single moment, every single day, in camp, because I know this won't last forever. I know this won't last forever, and and, and, and I love the sport so much that right now I'm just enjoying every single moment. I'm enjoying this right now that we're living right here when I was asking these questions, and then and then going to the gym and then running and running in the woods, and <laughs> I'm just thankful for the opportunity to be here to have another world title shot, and. People could expect that I'm I'm ready for this that I'm ready to come back and come back stronger and make that statement that I just said. This
2: this feels like it is a great stylistic matchup. Like you two guys matched up should make for great television. Like would you agree with at least that assessment?
0: I, I definitely agree. I definitely agree because of uh like Kevin's style. He might not be he might not have the, the most beautiful style out there, you know. Of course, he looks Little weird sometimes when he throws shots but it's mm-hmm. effective it's effective and he's continuous he continues throwing those shots and he, eventually it works so i've always characterized myself my style my my, my boxing styles i can box as well but i can one of my favorite things is to go in there and and, and go toe to toe or not my, my biggest shot my best shots because i know that's what the fans like you tell me you know sometimes you got a game plan but then when you go in there that game plan goes out the window because you hear the crowd yelling your name. You know, you hear the crowd hyping you up, and then you, you're landing your biggest shots. And then sometimes he you lands yours, and it's it's like it's very exciting. <laughs> I think it has a lot to do with, do with the way I, I was brought up. You know, I was brought up, you know, watching those type of fighters that that were warriors inside the ring. So I've always dreamed of being somewhat similar to them. So this is a perfect fight to do that.
2: Last thing for you is, uh, as I mentioned, you are a stablemate of Canelo in that Eddie Renoso camp. Uh, a lot of people have suggested perhaps that Canelo's lost a step after that fight against John Ryder. People looking at him and saying, oh, he's not the Canelo of old. Uh, what's your take on that, on where Canelo is as a fighter?
0: You know, I think he's in a good spot. I mean, um, he doesn't need this. Obviously, he doesn't need to be here. He, you know, he has all the money in the world. He's, he has a fame. He, he could Become whatever he wants to do right now. He, we all know that he loves golf, and he uh, he continues his career playing golf. <laughs> um, I think it's more to that the where to where he looked this last fight. I think it's the is uh there's more to it than what it looks like. You know, on paper it looks like it wasn't his best fight, but if you look at the details of him of him, um, you know, fighting in Guadalajara, having the pressure of having the having camp in Guadalajara, having everybody constantly bug him every single day either maybe his his friends or family or media having constantly that he has to he wants to play golf while he's training having the fact that in the fight he wants to knock out his opponent for the fans that everybody's there to watch him and all that makes it a perfect combination for him not to look so well because when you're looking for that knockout shot you're throwing those haymakers and and people say, oh yeah, he gets tired after the fifth round. My take on that fight was that he was just trying to land those big shots for the fans to to do to enjoy a knockout. So I don't see him declining because I, I constantly see him in the gym. He's he's a very disciplined fighter. He fights, he fought Saturday and Monday. He was back in the gym. And that just shows how disciplined he is. So I don't see him declining yet. You know, I still see him um uh being up there with the elites of course he is a physical box and he is up there but um if i could pinpoint something it would be only that he's so good that he plays golf the same time that, he, that he's training so <laughs> if he if, if he maybe slides down a little bit of a golf and focus more on training you're gonna see you guys are gonna see the same kind of those always and i've seen that right now he's um he's, he looks very focused when he wants he um he, he feels he's not done. He, he, he wants to show the world that he's still the face of boxing. And, and I believe him. I believe him because the only reason why is because I see it constantly in the gym, working out, the great sporting sessions. Physically, he looks strong in there. So, you know, I don't see him declining anytime soon.
2: What's your golf game look like? Yeah, I, don't, I don't play golf, <laughs> I, so
0: especially when I'm a camp man, my, my camps are very boring. I train and go back to sleep and go back to gymnastics. <laughs> training go back they're very his, his lifestyle is just crazy he, mm. he's constantly doing things doing things doing things playing golf with, with the family then media then boxing so he has a crazy lifestyle
2: no question no question Oscar good to talk to you man good luck on August 12th uh, back of the world title picture uh, hope to see you in that in a great fight there and many more to come my man appreciate it brother. have a good one That's it for this week's episode. My thanks to Jake Donovan, Jamel Herring, and Oscar Valdez for joining the show. As always, subscribe, rate, review this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you download podcasts. And I'll see you next week.
0: slash iHeart.